Does the channel provide value? Focus on the foundation. I am a travel vlogger. It's always about communication. Build those partnerships. What are the problems that you solve for your clients? Just being ahead on the technological side of things. Leading an organization. You not only want to survive, but you want to thrive. They said it wouldn't last, and they said that you can't drive profitable and incremental revenue through the affiliate channel. But here we are, 20 years later, and the affiliate channel is alive and kicking and generating profitable revenue for thousands of retailers across the globe. Hi, I am Jamie Birch, your host of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, where we talk to some of the industry's best and brightest about their careers, about leadership, and about how to drive profitable revenue through the affiliate channel. Welcome to the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. I am Jamie Birch, CEO and founder of JB Commerce, your award-winning affiliate marketing agency. And today I have a special guest, Carrie Pierce, manager of agency services at Rakuten Advertising. Before I introduce him and the episode, let me talk about one of the resources we have available for you. Uh, You are listening to this in January of 2021, and you're probably trying to figure out exactly how to plan for this, uh, well, uncertain year ahead. Well, we have a 19-point guide and one extra tip included. So really 20 ideas, tactics, and strategies on how to survive and thrive in this current economic climate. Uh, We created this a while ago, still incredibly relevant today, and we give it all to you, everything you need in here. You can go to jebcommerce.com slash strategies. That's jebcommerce.com slash strategies to download your 19-point guide today. So Carrie and I have known each other for a really long time. He's been at Rakuten Advertising for going on seven years now. He has a really unique history. He's worked at agencies uh, and done some really incredible things that we definitely get into. So we talk, I'm going to call this podcast really the rise of content affiliates. We talk about two of the big changes that Carrie has seen uh, as the manager of agency services at Rakuten Advertising. For those of us that go back a while, that would be link share. Uh, and we talk about these two changes, a lot of new advertisers coming into the space and a lot of new publishers into the space and all that is wrapped up in that. So without further ado, uh, you don't have to listen to me uh, blabber on anymore. Let's get into my conversation with Carrie Pierce. All right, Carrie Pierce, thank you so much for joining us on the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty doggone good. I can't I can't complain. And even if I did, no one would listen. So <laughs> that's probably true. That's yeah. Right. They might listen, but they really wouldn't care, you know. So why why that's the No, it's good. It's good. It's, it, seriously, it's good. Yeah. Awesome. I, I'm looking out my window at snow on the ground and I'm curious what the weather's like for you right now. So I am wearing shorts and I am wearing a flash t-shirt. Um, it is 78 degrees outside right now. We just oh, had that's a, nice. Yeah, we just had a little little cold snap last week where it was almost almost broke below 40 uh, in the middle. Wow, of- that's cold. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I had to I had to put a blanket over my my Japanese apple tree that somebody gave us because it's <laughs> it might, it might, if it gets below forty it might do damage to the little baby tree. That's funny. Now, do you own pants in a situation like that? I, a sweatshirt. I I um I got rid of all my pants. I own jeans now, <laughs> so I don't. I do I do have jeans, and if I got jeans. Um, I've got uh, I have a couple sweatshirts. I got rid of so much stuff. Um. 
it's it's bad. I still have a giant Izod, not Izod. I can't remember what Nautica. This stupid coat weighs about seven pounds. It's wool. It's, I've had this thing for twenty years, just for the the off chance that I travel somewhere cold. I've got this thing, but it, <laughs> it has a, a, a you know a, a roller load uh, roller luggage case all its own because it's so freaking big. I haven't bought a new coat in in fifteen years. That is funny. Yeah, you don't need it in Florida no. at all. No. Yeah. And no. you're not really traveling right now. None of us are. No, not doing anything right now. We're just uh, just staying homebound. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how are things in uh, in Florida? Uh, it's been crazy throughout the country. Is it kind of the same there now? We're recording this in mid December. Yeah, it's it's um, it is crazy. Um, you know, we've got I've got my parents, and then my wife's got her parents, and grandmas and grandpas are not doing good with not seeing grandbabies during this time frame, yeah. and. Uh, because they all live in Florida too, which makes it even tougher. Um, so they've earlier on, it was really, really tough for them to tell them, no, they can't come over. We've been, we've been trying to quarantine as much as we can. We, we mm-hmm. really try and get everything delivered to us as much as we can. The kids are doing homeschooling, but being here in Florida, I literally just got an email two hours ago. Um, my daughter's a little bit behind in art and they said, well, because she's behind, um, we're recommending she goes back to school and she's in high school. And oh, 10 wow. minutes after that, I've probably got the 20th email I've gotten from the principal of the high school that we have, we have tested, we have students who have tested positive. Here's how many are impacted. And oh, then man. 30 minutes after that, the health or the food teacher says, Oh, I have to self quarantine for 14 days. So I won't be back until a new year because I was exposed to somebody who tested positive. So, um, Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it, um, it's, it's, it is, uh, it is definitely concerning that's here, um, where they're still trying to push to, to try and make a sense of normalcy. But for the most part, everyone's realizing how serious this is and trying to take the precautions as best they can, you know? Uh, but there's others that are just in a situation. We're lucky being in the, in the job we have in the industry that we have, you know, my wife and I can work from home. Um, extremely lucky that we can do this. There's so many that can't, right? And yeah, yeah, they have to go out to work, and the kids have to go to school. You know, there's just no other way around it. Um, and just try and be as safe as you can in those types of situations. So we're very, very fortunate for that, and I feel blessed for that. Yeah, and you know, we're we're even shielded from the school issue. Uh, my wife has homeschooled our kids, uh, I think, for six, seven years now. And so we've had the, the only adjustment has really been for them to have me home. Yeah. We, we uh, put our office in storage last year or not last year. It's not 2021 yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. We put our office in storage like four months ago. And so we, we've been really remote since April, May uh, mm-hmm. about, but that's been the big adjustment for them is having me home. So we've been, you know, protected from, the uncertainty and love, just like you're describing of, Hey, you know, let's go back to school. And then the 20 emails saying, you know, all who've been impacted. Now we recently, um, you know, Idaho is, is very, uh, independent thinking, mm-hmm. uh, is probably the best way I can put it where, um, you know, masks were protested against, uh, and not a lot of adoption of that. And so, uh, so we've kind of, had our little pod of people we interact with that have the same 
thoughts and, and sensitivity to it and wearing their masks and being really safe. Uh, and, uh, and our pod caught it. And so we're, we're here in day nine of uh, our quarantine. My daughter, uh, uh, tested positive and my wife was sick, but really, really mild, you know, nothing compared to really what many of the people that I know have had it. And mm-hmm. so we've been real fortunate in that regard. And, and, and yeah, so we've been just real protected by it, but I couldn't imagine how you navigate that, right? How do you, uh, oh, yeah. how do you navigate? I'm having someone on the podcast later this week, uh, who's in the affiliate marketing is also on uh, a school board. Uh, member of the school board, and uh, it's just crazy Tra- yeah. that, from to hear from his perspective too. I'm really looking forward to kind of diving into that as well. But really hard to know what to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in in the and just especially because we we're still learning. I mean, this is December now. We've been exposed to this. We've been doing things. I mean, we know the basics, but as far as different ages, um, why is it more? You know, more. Um, uh, devastating to this segment of the population or this demographic? Yeah. Is it age? Is it um, is it gender? Is it race? Is it is it the environment around them? You know, they're they're talking about if you're exposed to this type of carcinogens in the atmosphere around you, then that could be it. Is it is it your health? Is it it? Who knows what? It is? And then you put on top of that, kids. We just don't. Our kids yeah. just does it just bounce off of them? Little kids because we don't see it in elementary schools, but in yeah, high yeah. It just it, it and colleges, it just runs like crazy, you know. Um, yeah. Um, and is that is that because of lifestyle or more is that um, just because um, they're just they're more exposed because they are seeing more and more all around. It just takes one to to get in there, and then it just goes it just goes gangbusters. So, um, yeah, we don't all of ours are are not in elementary school, so. Um, we're, we're doing the whole school from, from here now. It's trying as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same here, same here. So, uh, navigating this crazy world as we head into 2021 and all that, but you're at, uh, Rakuten advertising. You've been there for several, uh, uh, for several years. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, what you're doing right now and who you are and kind of introduce yourself to our audience. Sure, I can do that. Yep. So, Carrie Pierce, Rackerton Advertising. Now, currently, what I am, uh, essentially, I am the manager of agency services. So, I get the fun, and it is fun. Uh, I get to work with all of our our agency partners, the primarily in the U.S. network, but I do also work with agencies uh, headquartered in Canada as well, uh, Mexico. We just got one from Australia that's launching a U.S. program, and then the outstanding. The EU, I've got some in UK, I've got some in Germany, um, have programs that are launched in, oh, I forgot, I do have an advertiser that's in France that's working with an agency out of the US. Um, and then uh, I think that's pretty much it. Australia, uh, Pacific Asian countries are there as well. Uh, prior to doing that, I actually worked on the Rakuten Advertising Complete is what we call it, which is the full service management. Um, similar to what your team does, we do that internally for some of our advertisers in the affiliate space. And then actually part of that, I was on display. So I was working with our display product. So Racket and Advertising um, is, it's paid search, it's display, and then there's affiliate. Um, I guess maybe 
a lot of the listeners would know it as Linkshare back in the day. Well, it was Linkshare. Um, we still yep, part yep. of marketing advertising. So I had joined Display. And then prior to that, actually, I was working, um, how I ended up in the space, I was working for, I guess, which would be one of your competitors. I was working for AffiliateManager.com yep, in yep. Orlando. Yeah. Working with uh, Mike and Sean Nunez back then. And Yeah, uh, yeah. And that, I guess that was really my intro. It wasn't my exposure to it, but it was how I got into actively working within it. I had gotten exposed to affiliate through e-commerce uh, really when I was doing economic gardening. So I don't know how far we want to go back, Jamie. I've had a lot of different hats, man. Well, the, the phrase economic gardening has uh, has piqued my interest and gotten my attention. What? Tell me more about okay. that. So, so, all right. So I, so really where it ends up, I had graduate college, did some jobs, blah, 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 short of the long. Um, I was in real estate and was doing some commercial real estate and saw what was coming with the industry. Um, our large, large item or large um, dollar items or properties were, they were selling like crazy and then they stopped. The smaller price houses were still moving, but the larger ones, they were not moving at all. And we could see what was coming. And it, it was about a year later, we had the crash. Um, mm -hmm. That time I had decided that I had been doing sales enough. I needed to get out of sales, but I'd been doing sales for so long. I went back and got my master's degree in marketing. So with my experience, a little bit of experience in commercial real estate, I took that and ended up getting a job with the county that I lived in in Florida. And it was because of my real estate experience and then having my marketing master's degree, it was, we were trying to find out how to get businesses, not just to relocate, which is a typical economic development that a county or city or state, you know, would do. You try and uh -huh. businesses, right? You give them a bunch of taxes yeah. and you try and get them in there. And so, what we were trying to do was economic gardening and realize what were the assets that we had that were there. We still wanted to offer it for businesses to relocate, but this was something that had, had gotten developed in, I believe it was outside of Denver. Uh, trying to remember where it was in Colorado that had originally developed it. The idea here simply is find the businesses that exist that are mid-sized businesses that are growing and help them grow better. Right. And so it was using the data that we had as the county and the state to help them realize that, well, here's where we're seeing trends. Here's the, what's happening. Here's what's happening within the state. And then pooling the available resources. So we had a company there that was one of the very first companies to delve into and make it a success as a business of doing paid search. And so there was this company right there in our backyard that we teamed them up with a mid-sized company, right? That had maybe had 50 employees and they were doing something. A lot of them were working. I was in central Florida. A lot of them were supplying Disney with stuff and they wanted to not just have Disney as a client, they wanted to have others. So how did they get mm -hmm. other clients? How did they get these materials, these services help? So we would help them with that. Here's how you get online. Here's how you do. Um, and then social media was big, was just now coming into the phrase at that time. So here's how you do paid search, how you do social media, and then maybe partner some of them together to do on a, on a, on a contracting basis or hire them, but at least give these companies the data and the information that they have. So that's essentially economic gardening. So it's a lot of what I do now. Um, it sounds really similar. Like yeah. I, I can see a thread in your career going all the way back to that. And that, it, and that's, you know, because we, 
before there wasn't an agency services, right? So I had yeah. done this um, as part of my role when I was in economic development, uh, working for Lake County, Florida, seeing how what you could do by providing the tools that a company just doesn't know are out there for them to successfully grow their business. And then we saw success with that. We saw lots of businesses grow. Um, similar to what a business incubator does, but it's it's a little bit beyond that, right? An incubator is that still a traditional model, but uh, that was um, this was a little bit more giving them actual things they could they could implement strategies on, or how to come up with a strategy, and then how to implement it afterwards, and using the data and the resources that were available to them. And you're right, it is it is what I do with agency services, and mm -hmm. and, and realizing that we had this data that was sitting there, and we had these tools that were sitting there that the company just didn't know that the agency could use and the agency didn't know it existed. It was just a matter of putting those really together um, and then helping you guys succeed, which helps the advertisers succeed, which helps everybody succeed. That's pretty much it. That's it. It's all done. No. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, there we and, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it makes sense with your, you know, the deep dive in the data you were doing then yeah. one of the, the things that, that you provide uh, agencies at Rakuten is uh, these agents, these dashboards, and they're probably the best and most insightful data points we get from any network, uh, and and definitely any contact you know that works with us in in your role. And so I can see that that's always been something really really important. Oh, it's it is huge, you know. And it was and it was so funny, Jamie, when I was when I came over and was managing full service programs. I was just going off my experience, like what I had done in affiliate manager. I knew how to manage program. I knew where certain publishers were good at, you know, what their what their specialty was, how that would match with this particular client that was in this vertical. And then the first time I found that, and I had been doing this for for a couple of months, if not more, and just didn't know that these reports were out there and they were they were there. And once you can sit there and look and see, well, here's your advertiser, and here's what that vertical is doing. And you can compare that across different KPIs. As long as you understand what that advertiser's market position is supposed to be, it's extremely insightful to, to understand well, how are we performing against that vertical benchmark, right? Doing that on a quarterly basis, doing that for cyber week, getting those types of things to where, um, you know, from my, my training and my background um, from what I was, what we were trying to do when we were in getting my master's in marketing. Um, when I saw this, it was like, holy, this is, here you go. <laughs> there you go. I know exactly what my market position. I know where I need to do some, um, some, some legwork. I can lower my costs and I can still, I can generate a higher ROI. I'm not going to sacrifice sales or flip that. If I bump up my sales a little bit here, when, if I optimize to these four or five different publishers that are within this type of publisher type, man, I should be able to bump up my revenue pretty substantially and still keep my ROI exactly where it is. Um, finding that and seeing that within the vertical, how the vertical is interacting with the publishers and how the publishers are performing in that vertical uh, as a general standpoint, but not so much general as we get mo most of the time, it's general around the network, right? You know, most mm -hmm. times you just see, well, this publishers, I see them all over the place. They're doing great. So we should do something with them. But when you get that into that specific vertical, where you can actually see, here's what they're they're doing as far as uh, generating traffic. Here's what they're doing for orders. Here's what we're seeing, um, and here's what is it? What is the standard? I wouldn't say standard. The average 
um, uh, cost that is being associated with working with this publisher in the network. When you understand that, um, it's just gold for optimizing a program. Yeah, and the vertical stuff is so important and the view from the network perspective to be able to say and show like, here's here's the, what's going on within the vertical. Here's the gap yep. that you currently have. Here's who you should be working with. Here's how they're performing. Super, super in, insightful. Oh, it's and it's... And actionable. It is extremely actionable. That's the other thing about it. Um, and it's just one of these things that... Um, We've been doing this for so long and still there's so many that, that, that don't capitalize on it. Um, but those that do, it's it's really, really powerful stuff for them. Um, I, as soon as I discovered it, that's what I did. I used it like crazy on every single program I could, right? Do you think that's like the biggest opportunity for an advertiser right now heading into 2021? They're, they're most likely going to be listening to this the first week or two of January. Is that is that a big area of opportunity to really get a handle on the data and and use that to manage their program? Absolutely. No, especially because what what the drastic change was with the impacts of the pandemic, right? Um, understanding what you did in Q1 is not going to help you enough. You're going to have to use what you did in Q1 in 2020. And then you're going to have to look and see what happened in Q2 and Q3. What was the what was the the instantaneous reaction, right, to uh, not being able to go into a store? <laughs> the massive yeah. insurge we saw of e-commerce conversions that were happening. Um, how did that impact the vertical? What verticals were impacted which way, right? Um, you know, there's so many different verticals. Well, all the verticals we have in the network. If your travel or your events. Um, it's totally different, right? What do you need to do? How do you need to strategize yeah. for that? But but on the flip side, um, if you are in, let's say, who's going to be Q1, who's going to be really looking up? Well, they're probably already working on that would be health. What's going to happen within the health improvement or the fitness verticals, apparel that goes along with those fitness, right? Um, healthcare now coming out too. What had those verticals done in Q1 and then in Q2 and Q3? I would look at all three of them to see how much of a boomerang effect am I going to have so I can prepare for that um, and probably anticipate if I'm anybody, I'm going to have a little bit more competition this year. That's another thing to really take into consideration. You, you're going to need to leverage your existing relationships with the publishers that you've got. You're going to have to touch base, make sure everything's okay. Do they need anything? What are they seeing on their end as well? Um, and then understand what is happening in your marketplace as best you can from a competitive standpoint, and then go off the data and come up with your strategy, how you want to position. You know, one thing that you're mentioning that, that's kind of a thread through all this is uh, maybe I'm extrapolating from what you're saying sure. is we used to plan for the year. And yep. then we look at the quarter and we look at last year and we communicate with affiliates on a certain basis. That time frame of planning and executing really needs to come down dramatically, right? Because we don't, like you said, what's going to happen with fitness and fitness apparel in January? Uh, how does that look compared to last year if gyms are closed in a good yep. portion of the country? Where, you know, where are they going to, what are they purchasing now? Um, and, you know, and and how how is that? what's going to happen. And it's more of taking like, uh, or, or is it more from your perspective of taking shorter views, uh, pivoting and adjusting, you know, more frequently and, and maybe not a quarterly review, but now you're doing a, a weekly or a monthly uh, look at, at what's going on. 
Yeah, it just depends on the vertical, right? Um, because certain ones are much more dynamic. It was interesting to see like within apparel or within luxury goods, the, 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 what happened to them within the results of the pandemic, right? Um, for those you, this is how I, I would do it. I have a yearly goal. I have a quarterly strategy, right? And then I'm implementing my plan on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So my plan can change to to accommodate for my strategy, which is to reach my goal for the year. Um, and that's really how you kind of have to structure it. Um, but it there are certain verticals where it you you can plan out for the year, and, and your strategy is pretty much going to fall in line with that. And you may have to do a little bit here and there. But other ones. Um, that are impacted by economic factors or impacted by those, which is a lot of them. Um, I'm interested to see, because we had so many people at home who weren't going to gyms, who then invested in home, you know, personal anecdote, um, my wife and I have been working out from home for a while now. Uh, we've got a little total gym and I wanted to buy some some weights from my total gym. You know, the big guy that I am. Um, I, I, I needed to put on the, about five more pounds on the size of my total gym to make it for my bench press. But I couldn't find them. Jamie, I couldn't find them. There's no, yeah. I couldn't find the little way. They're gone. They're sold out. So if you take that, right, it, it, that everybody has been buying these things for working out at home. So when it comes to that, there's still going to be your, your New Year's resolution search that's going to happen. And they're probably not going to do gym memberships for anybody who has dis- discretionary income at this time. It's probably going to be something investing at home. So you need to make sure that you're capitalizing for that, but not overextending yourself. Oh, it was perfect timing with the doorbell. Not overextending yourself. Um, well, let him come in. <laughs> no, mask up. Um, <laughs> that you're not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't let him come in. That's right. Sorry. That you're not overextending yourself thinking that this is going to be as big as it was in 2020 because i don't that's my concern right um yeah you have your strategy you have your goal for the year but make sure that you can be flexible and if you're in a situation where you've got x source well if you're in a situation where you've got um excess goods to go good for you because there's not a lot to do to where you can you can start deep discounting to push 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 you know but you've got to do that if you're in that vertical within four days Right, January second, January third. Yeah. You you see what's happening, and if it's not moving where you need it to move, where you're trying to hit your things, January third, you're starting to push a little bit more aggressively to get that going. Right? Um, yeah, you yeah. Get, you got two weeks, pretty much, for, for that vertical. Yeah, and and like even here, uh, working out from home uh, for my birthday, my wife bought a mirror. So things like oh, mirror uh, tunnel, yeah. yep. total gym, um, you know, those kind of things. That's definitely going to change what. Uh, what January looks yeah. like. And like you said, yeah, updating much shorter time frames of, of looking at things. But that's really, I, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, we've still been able to really use the gym uh, until for, for us personally recently. Uh, and there's so much is changing so yeah. fast. I think data, like you said, you know, good data, reviewing it frequently and, and flexibility was a word you said that really resonates right now is you've got to be flexible. Absolutely. Uh, oh no, it's, it's, it, it is huge. And, and this is, you know, this is, this is the toughest thing for, for the advertisers that are out there. Um, communication to your, to your management team and let them know, uh, you know, um, affiliates is, is, is almost like the forgotten child 
when it comes to your, your online marketing strategy. Um, and if there's a change that you're noticing as fast as you can let your affiliate team know who's managing it, whether it's internally, whether it's somebody you're contracting with an agency, it doesn't matter who it is. Um, I would brief them just as, is at the same time con context as I would brief my, my paid search team. Right. Absolutely. At the same exact time, because there is flexibility, flexibility that you can do, but you can't do it after the fact you got to do it in, in real time. Um, and giving them as much advance notice as you can that we might be doing this. This is our, this is our contingency. If this happens, let me know if you're seeing it because they can act on yeah. it. Yeah. And it goes the other way too. Uh, what um, yeah. we've been talking to our clients about is, you know, you're getting feedback on how the market is changing and what consumer behavior is on your site, your affiliates. They also have audiences. They have yes. exposure to competitors, other verticals, and working with them uh, and including them in as you're preparing and planning and pivoting and flexing, using them because they have a much greater data set uh, than you do. May be able to see things faster because they're looking at multiple uh, uh, advertisers in your peer group and multiple verticals. Absolutely. Especially with the, you know, I mean, our, our specialized content publishers that are out there, there's a specialized, right? But some of those, those larger, um, uh, I would say, I don't want to use the term corporate, but those bigger, bigger publishers that, that are just like we are as a network, they work with every single vertical that's out there. They're yeah. getting, they're getting probably more data than we're getting. Right. Because they're working across yeah. the entire affiliate spectrum, even probably some on a private basis that are network independent. Um, so there is data and trends that they have. And, you know, working with them and, and getting some information is, is maybe it's secondhand, maybe it's, it's maybe they're not going to give you their data, probably not, but they can absolutely share some insight, especially if it's going to be something that's going to help your program and help them too to help your program. Because that's the, the whole thing with an affiliate that a lot of people forget is that all those individuals who are all working together, if if the advertiser's winning, then the publisher's winning, and the publisher's winning, the advertiser's winning, the network's winning, the agency's winning, we're all winning, right? If, it, if the yeah. program is doing well, then everyone's doing well. Um, if one is not doing well within the program, within your affiliate programs you've got, if your publishers are not doing well, then eventually the advertiser's not gonna do well either, right? Yeah. Um, but if everyone's doing well, then you have a successful, healthy, growing program. Yeah, and that communication is important. Oh, so now, now you've worked, you've you've gardened economically. Mm -hmm. You have been on the uh, average agency side. Yeah, uh, you've managed programs within Rakuten. You have a really unique perspective uh, on the industry. You've kind of worked around all the you know from every angle. Were there any misconceptions or sacred cows from the agency side that once you got to the, the advertiser side, or you got to Rakuten that, um, you know, it kind of turned things on their head or gave you a different perspective on? Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of different things, you know? Um, and it was cause I had been from the agency side too, right? Um, where I had been working with Linkshare back in the day and I had worked with all mm -hmm. the different networks, right? Um, and I don't know how much it still is because I haven't been been there as well, but it was there was an understanding that any of these networks or, or SAS, they have their specialties in what they do, right? This is, you go to this one for this, you go to that one for that. And this is what they do here and that's what they do there. Um, yeah. And, you know, if if I had a, if it was something where 
there was a an advertiser coming in and they were apparel you put them on LinkShare. And if it was an advertiser yeah. and they were a new startup, you put them on share sale. And I, I mean, not to knock anybody, if you still have that mentality, that's fine. That's understandable. But every you had your certain ones that you went in certain places. And when I came in and then I was at Rakuten Advertising, it was, it was just so much more <laughs> than that i was it was it was it was so much more in so many different ways right i i i had i had come over to display so i was working at ragaton Dis display which was media forge so there was media forge and then there was a paid search and then there was link share and once we became ragaton advertising it was all together um just didn't realize the scale and scope of what that was i was so wrong about how big Rakuten affiliate actually was. Um, not just within that it wasn't just what I had, I had my perceptions of it was apparel and beauty and some big box stores. Yeah, yeah. It was just so big. It was so many verticals that were out there. And then I got super lucky. I ended up working in all of them. I was working on B2B. Um, oh, wow. Obviously, I was doing, you know, direct to consumer that was out there. I had some big box stores that had e commerce. Um, and then I had those brands that were sold in other big stars. They were also doing their direct thing. I had some outlets. And then I had, I had like Lyft's driver recruitment program. So cool. It was an affiliate program for wow. Lyft to get drivers. So cool. How the heck do you do tracking of that? How do you optimize for that? Who do you work with? It was yeah. awesome. Right? So I had that, it had, um, credit card companies had checking. So I got to do all these different things and and it was once i get in there it's like give me the problem child and it was because of my experience because i had done the same thing i'd worked across all the different networks and worked on any program i could have and i liked that so that's what i was doing so once i now i was coming from the, my experience as an agency guy and, and working multiple networks multiple programs realizing all that was there and then it was also realizing that I had an agency that was one of the programs that was with me. And, and it was like, oh, okay. But I thought we had like an agency contact. Well, yeah, we kind of had an agency contact internally. And then I started looking into what we were doing as working with the agencies. I knew how I was servicing my client program that was working with an agency. And it was totally different than what we were doing as, as the company. Um, and it was looking at, so there was, there was a, there was a misconception that was from the agency side that at least I had on, on what Rakuten affiliate was. And then on the flip side, you also had a, a, just a, just a lack of awareness really of what the agencies were actually doing and what could be beneficial for them because everybody within Linkshare at the time was they were just so focused on what they had to do. I, I got to manage this program. I'm going to manage this program. Or yeah. I was in an advisory. I just advise. I just help out when they need the help and they manage it on their own. They've got it all under control, right? And we just didn't have any, no one had any, any exposure. They had all come into affiliate through LinkShare and that's what they had known. Um, so there was not any, there was not any, you know, like intent to not do this, not to support it. They just didn't know. <laughs> I had no clue. Yeah. And so that's what it was. I was able to, I could see this. And then when agency, uh, there was an opening that was there. That's when I jumped in and said, Hey, can I, can I just, can I do this? And let me do yeah, this. Yeah. If you want to. <laughs> All right, cool. And then I just did what I wanted to do. And I basically it was, 
here's all the data that I would use to manage a program. And here you go. Let me give me all the data. Let me give you every single uh, media kit we get. Here's publisher's point of contact. If you want to optimize a program, who you want to reach out to. Here's how to use the technology. Oh, did you know we've got this new technology coming out? And it was literally those things like how to use the software and technology we're rolling out to optimize the program, to act upon the data that we're giving you to act, to, to strategize on. Just those, just, it's, it's not complicated. It takes a little bit of investment in time, but it pays dividends. It absolutely pays dividends. So it was, it was two things, right? It was, it was um, just a, just a lack of awareness and really what was there. So um, it turned out pretty good, I think. Yeah. You've been there for some time now uh, going on seven years. Yeah. Oh no, I've had, uh, I've had fun. So this is my third role. Um, and rackets and advertising. I'm going to stick with this one for a while. I really enjoy this one a lot. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So there's been a lot of change. Obviously we've, we've talked about it, uh, you know, in this conversation of what's been going on, uh, this year. Um, you mentioned on our, our prep call mm-hmm. that there's two, uh, kind of things that you're seeing, uh, in that's really exciting for you. And that's new advertisers and new pl- publishers. So talk to me about, the, you know, the new advertisers coming in and, and what you're seeing and then and the new publishers that are getting into affiliate marketing. Oh, yeah, it's it's um it's been really interesting, you know, with when when the impact from the pandemic had and then we had the shutdown, there was across the board, there was a lot that a lot of advertisers just went, oh, I can't I can't risk spend. I'm pulling all my marketing dollars out, and especially if it was something if it was a bigger store. Or they didn't know what the heck affiliate was or what it did which is surprising. That's still a thing that's out there, unfortunately. Um, that was the budget that went. In front of that for 20 years. <laughs> it's just good gravy. Um, yeah. Cut that budget, cut that budget, cut that budget. Uh, and and so it was, and then there was others who were so vested in their infrastructure from a real estate perspective. And when you shut your doors um, and, and you can't open that door, then it's just tough, you know, and a lot of those fasts were, were shut down and trying to figure out how to, how to reposition. So we, we've seen those, right. The, those advertisers who, who had to shut down or the, because of the shutdown. Um, and once that happened, it was interesting around the exact same time we're seeing that we are seeing others that are, they're still big box or, or a traditional um, uh, brick and mortar store who went, Oh, I got my doors closed and they still had money. They're now coming into affiliates marketing. They're just in anything in commerce, all of it. Let's go. We've got to yeah. save this. So there's this rapid infusion of traditional brick and mortar coming into affiliate. At the same time, there's this direct to consumer that is out there that is getting capital from everywhere, right? Angel, venture, whoever has got the money is putting it into this D2C and they're rushing it at the same time. So you've got these two totally different types of perspectives of advertisers that are rushing into the network, launching affiliate programs, um, huge amounts of affiliate programs that we're launching at the same time as we had these old programs that have been around for a while that are shutting down. So it's the same type of a similar type of um, it, kind of a, a convergence. Everybody was reacting to now being at home and not being able to go with the same amount of consumers that were coming online. They were buying in commerce as well. So you've got those coming in. But on the flip side, this was the neat thing about the the publishers that were coming in. You know, we had um, just huge amount of publishers that were coming in. And the interesting thing, and this was another meeting I had two weeks ago, they 
are not a publisher that that um, that some would have have labeled historically what you would think of as as an affiliate or a publisher. These are not coupon sites. These are not um, deal sites. These are not um, uh, what am I? Loyalty sites. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing with our rewards. Nothing around shopping. These are and not even so much specific as far as what they are content wise. These are almost like an online presence. I want to say they're just a general content. There's a huge amount of, of publishers that have an audience that is a fan of them or loyal to them who goes to them for their information or their entertainment or a resource. And these are ones who traditionally relied on an advertising model. They had never considered a performance model. So they were generating content that was getting a huge audience and they would go to an advertiser and sell space on the site. Right. Or, 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 and it was it, it was that traditional advertising model in the e-commerce space. And I actually, Jamie, after we had talked to, I can't remember how long ago it was, I ended up having another agency reach out to me. Um, They are a PR agency. They have a um, advertiser who's wanting to work with this, this publisher. And the publisher said, yeah, we'll work for you. Do you have an affiliate program? They're not going to work with the advertiser on a just a paid advertising model unless they have an affiliate program on the back end because they know that their audience, they can still generate revenue because that budget can get pulled at any time, right? Because they yeah. just went through it. The advertising budgets got yanked. That's and they, true. That's they had true. no revenue. They didn't have anything. They had nothing to fall yeah. back on. Same thing like, like everyone else is trying to diverge not to be dependent on one, you've got to have multiple sources of income for that company to, to be stable. You can't just do one thing. You've got to do a couple different things. Um, yeah. And that was it. So we had this influx of these content publishers. And it's been interesting, the amount of content publishers that have come in, also the amount of sales that we're seeing within the network to these content publishers. And this gets back to the other thing outside of that, the new infusion of the different demographic, which would be an older demographic who has not been exposed to e-commerce in the past, who is now converting online, they need to figure out how to go, when to go, who to go um, to buy. And they're going yeah. to some of these content sites that are their loyal sources for entertainment or news or whatever it is. And those sites are driving conversions. So we're seeing that influx now of all those things. And do you think the one thing I've talked about recently is, and what I've noticed is, the affiliates have created their ecosystem, their audiences, mm-hmm. and those audiences are loyal to that brand. Yes. Not so much the apparel company they want to shop to. They're loyal to the affiliate. And so I, I see that happening at the same time of that, that the, the maturation of the affiliates brand happening at the same time. We have a major influx of uh, digital commerce happening because of the pandemic all leading to, well, the advertisers now, you know, for so long, the advertiser, like uh, you said earlier, if the advertiser's doing well, everyone's doing well, so much power and weight was on the advertiser who paid the network, who paid the affiliate and all that. Is it kind of flipping where the affiliate has a lot more power now because they've done a good job for the last 20 years, uh, some of them, of building a brand and to, to get access to that audience you have to have an affiliate program in order to work with them. It is almost there. 
I still think yeah. that if, but no, I will say this, if the brand is big enough and the reputation is there, you've done your branding and it's there, you could still remain without an affiliate program and still do e-commerce, maybe. Um, but you've got to be real competitive and you got to understand who's coming at you and where they're coming and what they're coming with. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, but for everybody else, that, you know, that's, that's 5% of businesses, uh, or, or whether it's e-commerce, not e-commerce, whatever, most companies, most advertisers do not have that luxury. Right. And yes, so it yes. is a competition and it is that place. And those for those, for like the other 90% of advertisers that are out there, that publisher has an audience that you want to gain access to. And so there, there is starting to see that power that's there, but it's not so much that it is power. It's just like it was historically too. There still is just like we just how our approach has always been within the network. It is a partnership. It's a partnership. You know, um, you offer them the commission and they accept the commission and then you move on. Um, there's no, there's no, you can't, nobody can force anybody to do anything. So with that, with yeah. that's what we, you got to encourage that. And if you do that, and if you are implementing that partnership between the two, that's when you get that true win-win type of scenario because the publisher is not going to want to work with somebody and then cut off their audience for them because that doesn't help them at all. Um, but at the same time, they want to make sure they're working with somebody who's going to reciprocate their investment in the advertiser. It's just like it used to be advertiser investing in publishers. Now it's publishers investing yep. in getting in advertisers because I do have this audience and I don't want to violate my trust with this audience by a product that's not going to be, it's not going to fulfill what they're looking for from whatever their expectation yep. is, price size, scale, shape, whatever. Quality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now on the publisher side, when when we got all these new publishers coming in, mm -hmm. uh, is is that too, like you said, um, you know, what, what I've seen happen with this pandemic is you have three types of responses. You have, uh, you know, holy crap, I'm pulling everything. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm taking all my marketing spend <laughs> back. I'm not doing anything. They've yep. done that. Then you got the deer in the headlight, uh, which I understand. I, I'll be honest. I was that way for a week or so, uh, you know, <laughs> unable to move. I didn't know what to do. Uh, and a lot of people did that. And then the others are, you know, getting comfortable with the reality of the situation and, and moving forward, kind of like, what, you know, what we, we talked about uh, to make these pivots. So do you think they're looking at it and going, well, there's a large group of people. And I, I think you said this earlier, that pool budget. So if we're just doing it on a regular advertising model, I may at any time have all of that pulled yep. and the affiliate channel is a, uh, uh, you know, it's been historically an endless budget type of thing because, you know, you're not paying for it until you get the sale. So uh, you can see it as that. Is that one of the things that's pulling them in? Is there something else about what's going on? Is it just they're, they're now more focused on growth than before and looking at this channel diversification? What do you think is bringing those new publishers into the mix? Oh, I think it's a couple different things. But the big thing is I've, you know, if you, if you take this from, a, from an old type of model, I got a magazine, I've got my content in my magazine, I sell my ads, right? But we're doing this on an e-commerce site. We're doing this on an electronic website or whatever type of property that we've got. Um, when it's electronic, my advertiser pulls their ad on page 33. Well, fine. If I'm an affiliate, I can substitute somebody now. And I got to wait to sell that ad. And that was that old 
model that these content publishers were doing was selling the ad space that's there. From an affiliate standpoint, now that they had to get desperate to go search and find where revenue was, where they could get some revenue coming in, where there were advertisers they could come, they went from a desperation point almost to a flip to almost to after this year, they're going to be more of a power position, right? Like we, I just, just like the antidote I just had, where I was just talking to a PR agent. True. Yeah. Not going to work with you until you have an affiliate program. That's huge. <laughs> but yeah. That, oh they, yeah. They 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 came into this content publishers came in out of we got to find revenue. Once they got in here, and we've seen the evidence that the content publishers have sales have increased from content publishers this year. Um, now I know what this is. I can pretty much reliably understand what my revenue is going to be from this. And then I can also still sell that paid advertising positions that I want to, but this is my, this is my base. Now, now I have pretty much a set revenue that I can reliably count on if I'm understanding what my audience is, what my customer base is, who's loyal to me. As long as I'm keeping track with that, I should almost have a direct line. And if anything starts dipping from an advertiser point of view, from my affiliate side, now I can go shopping. I have a bevy of advertisers that I can go find to fill in this spot where my client is looking for something, right? And way easier to make that substitution than trying to get another insertion order signed. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. Uh, and definitely why, you know, we're seeing those people move into that. So you guys do some hot lists. Yes. Now tell me about them. And you told me they've, they've really doubled this year, kind of in relation to the same thing we're talking about. Yeah, this is this is right along these exact same lines. And this is what led me down this path um, at the different time of getting a contact from a PR agency. Um, so we send out the benchmarking reports, which is, you know, where we're looking at how the program is doing compared to the vertical um, performance-wise every quarter. Then we also send our Cyber Week report and we send the prospect list, right? Where you can find out where your gaps, who are the publishers we should be working with. But the thing that I really like, and this is something that um, is so beneficial for everybody involved is the hot list. It is essentially, it's pretty simple. It's a list of every publisher who has had their first conversion in the network. That's it. Um, it's just compiled, right? We've got the data, it's in the network. Here's this publisher that's come in. We give you, the list has the publisher's ID, the publisher's name, the publisher's website, brief little description of them, email address for you to, to reach out and contact them. And then we let you know during this time frame, right, um, how many orders they had that came in from their first order, you know, if it was in the past three weeks or six weeks, whatever, um, what was their first order? How many did they have total in that time frame? And more importantly, what vertical and sub-vertical did they have that conversion in? Uh, an example would be they had a conversion in the uh, apparel vertical, and but it was sub that it was women's apparel, right? Um, so with that, once we have this hot list and you've got that on your end, we send this out to all of our agency partners. Um, from that hot list, you can see, oh, I can see all the publishers that came in and drove a conversion, and this is the vertical that they're in. That's my vertical. I should probably reach out and see if I can get them into my program. Um, we have been doing this, I don't know how long we've been doing this, but ever since I've been working with agencies, I've been sending this out. As soon as they come, as soon as they come into my inbox, I send them out. Um, actually, they don't come to my inbox. I, I created a flag so I knew when they were released to send them out. We would do probably like 60 maybe 75 at most of new publishers that were on this list and they would come out 
six weeks to eight weeks, right? Um, this year, we're averaging two a month of hot lists. So instead of being one every wow. two months, we're doing two a month. And it's anywhere between 125 and 150 publishers that are on this list. It is a massive influx of not only new publishers, but, publish, but it's new publishers who are driving conversions or publishers maybe who have been in the network for a couple months and they're just now getting their feet under them and they are driving conversions. So everybody with their first conversion, just a massive uptick, not only of new publishers coming in, but new publishers driving for conversions for advertisers. It's just really, really huge. That's fantastic. And a huge indication of what's going on in the digital marketing Absolutely. space right now and, and, you know, real tangible metric. Um, so you've got a lot of new advertisers and publishers. What are the important things that they need to remember as they're, they're just new to this space? What are the, the things that they need to be uh, cognizant of going into next year? Yeah. Um, for the publishers, new publishers get as much information as you can and you can talk and, and reach out and ask a question. <laughs> like it, it's, it's understanding where you are is fine. Um, but again, the whole sense of everybody's here to succeed. It's a partnership. Everybody wants to do well. Um, there's nobody's in a, in a gotcha type of mindset anywhere within the affiliate marketing. If they are, they're still not in that affiliate marketing anymore. So from the public yeah, standpoint, true. have a conversation, reach out, heck, you know, send it, send it, ask, see what you can get. Um, and work with agencies, huge resource for publishers that are out there. Not to mention the networks, man, we've got a full team. That's all they do is work with our publishers. Um, and understand your audience. That's the big thing for a publisher. Um, no matter the size, you have an audience. Understand your audience. And once you understand that and can share that, that is just gold for an advertiser who's trying to work with you. This is my audience. This is what they can expect. And they know what they can do with that and how they can better partner with you. Um, those are big, big things. Get as much help as you can. Use the networks that you're on. Reach out to that publisher support team. They'll help you like crazy. There's tons of tools we now have for publishers to make their lives easier, easier to get the content uh, from the advertiser on their site so that it can help them drive conversions for their customer base and for the advertisers. On the flip side for new advertisers, it's the same old song, unfortunately. These new advertisers, are you seeing any common concerns that they have coming in? Is it is it just pandemic sales? Is it growth? Is there anything different that these new uh, advertisers are coming into you know, on their plate that you haven't seen before? Honestly, I've seen a lot more coming in that are fully aware of what affiliate is, which is good. So I'm hoping we're not going to see the set it and forget it. They're still out there, but it's been a, a smaller percentage. And I don't know if this is which side of that new advertiser scale this is coming from. I think it's more of the D to C, more of these that are coming in just direct to consumer. There's nothing that's there. They understand e-commerce. They understand e-commerce market. Somebody there does. Um, and they know how affiliate works. And they know they need to have somebody coming in and managing it for them. I'm seeing more and more of that. So that is a good thing. That's um, great. The, the, and when they're coming in, they know they've got a three-year goal. They've got, you know, this is our three-year goal. And this is our five-year goal. And we you know it's going to take time. It's not going to happen. Well, Carrie, we are over our time. Thank you so much for this conversation. Absolutely. I 
I, uh, as I always say on these, I took a ton of notes and I really did. I even have a couple ideas on how we want to do things. Cool. Uh, and so I thank you for that. Now, uh, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, talk about these things or get a hold of Rakuten, what's the best way for them to contact you or follow you? Yeah, um, you can follow me on, on the social media, but I'm not there. Um, so <laughs> I have a Twitter account. <laughs> it's Carrie Pearson. You can find me on Facebook at Carrie Pearson. You can find me on, I don't know. Um, uh, uh, I can't remember what else I'm on there, but I'm not there. So there's accounts. I don't think the easiest way is, is I'm an old guy. It's Carrie Pierce, C-A-R-Y Pierce, just like you'd pierce your ear, uh, at Rakuten.com. And for those who don't know how to spell Rakuten, I'm sure you're looking at the podcast and we'll show you the title, but it's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Anyways. Um, I love it that old school is now email. I know, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> still works. Still works. It still works. <laughs> phone, you know, does anyone use the phone anymore? Wait, the phone, you mean the thing I look up stuff on? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the thing I watch my Seahawks on because okay. I can't get cable. <laughs> yeah. This is, I mean, this is, this is our kids. It's our kids entertainment vehicle. It's not a yeah. phone call. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So that's the easiest way for that. RacketsandAdvertising.com has access to a ton of stuff that's there as far as data, including like we do share a lot of the data that, you know, you and I were talking about that we give to our, our agencies to help manage programs and advertisers and publishers. We put a lot of that out there for anybody who wants to use it on the Rakuten Advertising site. We just released a whole bunch of insights we did from Cyber Week that is there for anybody to go play around with, take a look and see um, some trends that we see within the vertical. So that's another great resource for anybody who wants to use it. Oh, I will include a link to that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. Really uh, always a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, hopefully uh, someday in the not too distant future, we can have you back out again Absolutely. Uh, and uh, meet, uh, you know, hang out with the team, but thank you again. And uh, I really appreciate everything you talked about today. Nope. Thanks, Jamie. It was my pleasure. Well, thank you, Carrie, for a wonderful conversation. Very informative. Really appreciate you taking the time and always a pleasure to chat with you and, and really anyone at Rakuten Advertising. Um, actually, is one of the very first affiliate programs I have run was on Rakuten. Back then, it was Linkshare. So lots of really good information. And one thing I want to highlight is with all these new publishers and new affiliates, if you're listening to this, publishers, the one big thing that Carrie talked about, and, and I want to echo, is our industry is a little different. You can reach out to every advertiser. You can reach out to the network and the, the platform that you're working through and get help, get information, work on things. That's how we do business here. So make sure you do that. Have conversations, ask questions, reach out. Uh, and the real thing is understand your audience. When you understand your audience, you're able to identify the advertisers you, you really need to be working with. Uh, and you're also able to leverage that to get the best commission, the best uh, payments possible. And hey, JB Commerce, that's what we do. So if you need help with that, definitely let us know. If you need help figuring out what to do uh, in the year to come and how to adapt and, and overcome the challenges that we don't even know we're going to hit yet, please feel free to email me at gethelp at jebcommerce.com or set up some time uh, for us to meet at calendly.com slash jamie birch. Uh, and 
I would love to help you. And we also have a guide, a 19 point guide uh, on strategies and tactics to survive and thrive in times like we're experiencing right now. And you can go to jebcommerce.com slash strategies to download that document. Well, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please share it on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify and all those places. And definitely send this to someone who you think would really benefit from it. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.